CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is what the popular discourse is becoming. These are no longer fringe conversations. These are no longer boring conversations. They're important conversations. And so every time you see a terrible take on inflation or any other macro issue, whether it's from a traditional finance person or a crypto person, just take a moment to remember how awesome it is that that's the discussion that we're having at all. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io, Abra, and FTX, and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, January 12th, and today we are talking about what the highest inflation print in four, count them, four decades means for markets. First, though, if you are enjoying The Breakdown, subscribe to the show, give the show a five-star rating, leave a review, or if you want to get deeper in the conversation, join the Breakers Discord. It's at bit.ly slash breakdown pod, and that link is also in the show notes. Now, today is CPI day, as in, it's the day that we found out how inflation fared for December. This is, of course, the big macro conversation and has been for a year. In 2021, the battle was between, on the one hand, the Federal Reserve saying they were going to keep dovish monetary policy conditions because they believed inflation to be transitory, i.e. just the product of supply chain dislocations and supply-demand mismatch coming after the worst of the shutdowns of the COVID crisis, and on the other side, markets who are saying you simply will not be able to handle inflation running as hot as it's likely to run. The Fed did its best to keep the transitory language going, but ultimately there was, in fact, a hawkish shift, and that happened between, call it September and December. The Fed started to acknowledge that while they still believed the same underlying conditions were causing inflation as they always had, it was less clear to them than ever how long it was going to take for supply chain issues to unwind and inflation to go down, and in the meantime, they weren't willing to just let it run up any longer. We went from at the end of the summer not expecting any rate hikes in 2022 to by December an acknowledgement that we were likely to see three quarter point rate hikes in 2022. In addition to that, there would be an acceleration of the tapering of asset purchases to be concluded in early 2022. Now, markets found all of this fine. In fact, they improved after the December FOMC meeting. For one, it seemed like the Fed was actually addressing inflation in some way, or at least probably more importantly, acknowledging it. And second, it was very clear that Powell was not setting out to become some Paul Volcker 2.0, willing to 
raise interest rates into the double digits and cause a recession in order to fight inflation. That led to a general market rally going into the end of the year. But last week, that all changed when FOMC meeting minutes from December came out and markets learned that the Fed had been briefed on not only asset purchase tapers, but in fact, quantitative tightening, or the term that they used, balance sheet normalization. If quantitative easing involves buying assets to provide liquidity to markets, quantitative tightening involves the opposite, selling assets into the open markets and in turn reducing liquidity. Now that early and more aggressive QT that some had proposed in those minutes made many worry that we were heading into a secular shift to less liquidity and much faster than anyone anticipated. For the last week, the market has been settling into this idea, and that's why you've seen risk assets, at least what traditional finance considers risk assets, like crypto, sell off. Still, there are going to be a lot of different points along this journey in 2022 where the stakes could change and where the outcomes could change. One of those is seeing monthly inflation prints that don't meet expectations to the downside. In other words, inflation that comes in lower than people expected. Should we see a set of months in a row where inflation seems to be declining, that would reduce the pressure on the Fed to make a sharp hawkish turn. So, throughout 2022, we're going to be watching these things closely. As Alex Kruger tweeted earlier this morning, thanks to crypto, today's will be the most popular inflation report in history. Crypto, making the boring fun since 2009. So let's get into what expectations were heading into today's numbers, and let's actually start with Jerome Powell's confirmation hearing for his second term as chair of the Federal Reserve. A few things stood out to me about this hearing. First, for those who just wanted to hear Powell talk about crypto, there really wasn't much here. Senator Toomey got Jerome Powell to agree that the Fed shouldn't be probably a nationwide retail bank, and that private stablecoins can coexist with any sort of formal U.S. digital dollar or Fed coin. When other questions of crypto as a threat to financial stability came up, Powell brushed them over pretty aggressively. It's very clear that crypto as a stability risk is not a big concern for him. Second, he spent a lot of time reminding people of what his and the Fed's mandate really was. There was a ton of discussion about the limitations of monetary policy. The Fed can't control supply, only demand. The Fed can't do much about structurally low participation due to poor childcare and healthcare provisioning. The Fed can't change structural racism in the distribution of unemployment and wealth. The Fed can't build solar and wind farms. The Fed can't break up monopoly pricing power. In many ways, it felt like Powell was gracefully trying to remind the Senate and Congress that it was their job to deal with these issues. And frankly, that was mirrored in his crypto talk. Unlike some of his counterparts in other central banks, he is really not pushing CBDCs. He's not trying to expand the role of the Fed, at least it seems like. He's got his mandates, which are financial stability and full employment, and he wants to stick to them. <laughs> this is good because there was also a lot of political setup. With the midterm elections happening this year, there is going to be politics swirling all around these issues. And a lot of Republicans took the chance to remind Powell of the sacred importance of the Fed's independence from other political actors. You have to imagine that as Biden and Democrats see shrinking approval numbers, there's going to be pretty intense pressure on the independence of the Fed. And by the way, that would be the case whichever party was in power. Nexo is a trusted and easy-to-use crypto platform where you can buy cryptocurrencies at the touch of a button and start earning up to 17% annual interest that is paid out daily. 
They support all of the major assets on the market and even allow you to swap one asset for another or borrow cash against your crypto without selling it. Nearly 3 million people in over 200 countries trust Nexo with their digital assets. So whether you're just getting started or you're a seasoned pro, get the most of your crypto today with Nexo at nexo.io. Today's episode is sponsored by Abra. Join over 1 million users and conquer crypto with Abra, an all-in-one, simple, and secure app where you can trade over 110 cryptocurrencies, get 0% interest loans using your crypto as collateral, and earn interest with up to 14% APY on stablecoins and 8.15% APY on Bitcoin. Visit Abra.com or download the app from the Google Play or Apple App Store today. Abra. Conquer crypto. The Breakdown is sponsored by FTX. FTX is the safe, regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets. Trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. FTX US is also the only leading exchange that supports both Ethereum and Solana NFTs. You can trade NFTs with no gas on FTX US, and gas is subsidized when you withdraw off the platform. Help support The Breakdown and visit FTX.us today. That's FTX.us. Now, one more interesting piece to note from the conversation is that there was a bit more discussion on the national debt. John Kennedy from Louisiana said, how much is too much? At one point in your judgment, are we going to hit the point where you have to say, no, that's it. We can't do anymore. It's hurting the world. It's hurting our country. Powell responds, we don't know when that is, as the world's reserve currency demand for our paper is very strong. If you had shown that chart of federal debt and then asked somebody 15 years ago to predict what interest rates would be, they wouldn't be predicting that the 10-year would be at 1.75%. There's been a lot of demand. They would have looked at that picture and said, you must be experiencing difficulty borrowing, but we're not at all. We're on an unsustainable path. Debt is not at an unsustainable level, but the path is unsustainable, meaning it's growing faster than the economy, meaningfully faster than the economy. We have to address that over time. We will address that over time. And the better way to do it is soon and do it in good times. Start when the economy is strong and the taxes are rolling in. We don't do fiscal policy, but I will say sustainability of the debt is something we need to get back to and focus on again. As you see again, Powell there focusing on what is and isn't within his mandate. Luke Grauman, for his part, is not buying it, saying the fact that the Fed has a $9 trillion balance sheet versus $29 trillion in federal debt is proof the U.S. government has been having difficulty borrowing. I haven't seen policymaker obfuscation like Powell since I watched HBO's Chernobyl. No wonder central banks keep buying gold. Still, the biggest point relative to where markets have been for the last week was the softening of the stance and the minutes on discussions around balance sheet reduction. Powell basically said these were preliminary only, that no decisions had been made yet, that discussions will be going on over the next few meetings, and that ultimately everything was going to be data. Powell basically said that they want to be positioned to be able to reduce the balance sheet if they need to, not that they will or that they must. Given that markets have been rallying at least to some degree since the hearings, many think this is the exact reason why. Investing.com summed up, Fed Chair Powell, we probably remain in an era of very low interest rates. Powell, we haven't made any decision regarding balance sheet reduction, and then added the money printer go Burmeme. But now let's get back to Twitter and their expectations for inflation before it actually happened today. Lynn Alden set up the overall situation. December CPI comes out tomorrow and has a decent shot at reaching 7% plus year-over-year. But then unless monthly inflation accelerates from here, the year-over-year figure will likely peak within Q1 2022. House prices and apartment rents have topped in many markets for now. 
However, the components of CPI that measure those are on a multi-month lag, and so they haven't topped yet. Used car prices likely haven't topped yet either, according to industry estimates. When they do top, as semiconductors get released freeing up manufacturer inventory, this will be a disinflationary impulse, just not yet. Energy remains a key area of concern for sticky inflation over the longer term, and that runs downstream into everything else food, materials, transportation, manufacturing, etc. The world remains rather tight on energy due to low investment. Udolfo on Twitter gave the expectations calibrated setup, saying bulls, tech, bonds, and growth will want a CPI print of 7.4% and lower. Bears, tech and bonds, but bullish oil and financial will want a CPI print of 7.5% and higher. Alex Kruger brought it to crypto and said, Gun to my head, tomorrow's inflation comes in line and the crypto reversal continues. Bitcoin sellers re engage around 46K, alts enjoy further upside. Too much inflation talk. Even my barber mentioned it. Only a large CPI upside surprise would see prices crash. Light Crypto echoes this, saying, Powell has been a steadfast soothsayer in his remarks as far as I can remember, yet you lot panicked into it. Crypto Twitter jumping on the macro bandwagon has been the one sentiment indicator that still works. Anything other than a jaw-dropping CPI tomorrow means up. CMS Holding put it this way, he said, CPI better be 25% tomorrow for how whiny you all have been. So what actually happened? Well, CPI was not 25%, but US inflation did hit a 39-year high, the highest number since June 1982. 7% year-over-year and 0.5% from November. Shelter and used vehicles led the pack with fuel actually falling. Now, core CPI, which excludes food and energy, accelerated by slightly larger than forecast 0.6% last month, 5.5% from a year ago, which is the biggest jump since 1991. That means that overall, the number was right in line with expectations, while core CPI was just a little bit higher. So how did the market react? Well, as I kind of mentioned, this is exactly what everyone expected. And frankly, meeting expectations is, in market terms, bullish. From Bloomberg, market expectations for Fed tightening expected in March and 2022 as a whole were largely unchanged after the report. Joe Weisenthal from Bloomberg reinforces this, saying, while the core rate was in fact hotter than expected, seems like markets taking the glass half-full view of this report. Now, this doesn't mean inflation isn't still a serious problem for regular people. Sarah House from Wells Fargo says there is still tremendous momentum when it comes to inflation right now. While inflation is likely to peak in the next few months, the overall pace is going to remain a challenge for consumers, businesses, and policy. Perhaps the hardest part is that inflation continues to increase faster than wages. Businesses are increasing pay, but inflation is eating it all. Inflation-adjusted average hourly earnings dropped 2.4% year-over-year in December. What about from a Bitcoin perspective? Well, the folks that said anything other than a massive overshoot of the CPI expectations was bullish? Kind of right. Bitcoin was up 1.1% to 43,900 in the minutes after the report came out, and is up about 3% overall since the hearing yesterday. So two things to close out on. One has to do with what happens next in markets. And I'm going to quote Mike Ippolito from Blockworks, who wrote, It looks like there's a consensus forming. One, the Fed will try to tighten in Q1. Two, assets will crash and the Fed will get spooked. Three, the Fed will loosen, sending assets to fresh all-time highs. This is your reminder that the market never does what everyone expects it to do. I think Mike's caution is well-warranted and something to keep in mind. But where I actually want to close is on Alex Kruger's point about crypto making the boring interesting. There are a lot of absolutely dog shit takes on inflation out there, including, frankly, a lot of them from folks that we all listening to this show mostly agree with on many other things. But the fact that a big and growing part of the population is engaging with questions around inflation and monetary policy is insanely bullish for the future of the country as a whole.
I'll leave you with this mini thread from this week from Saquon Barkley, the New York Giants running back, who wrote, I want my career earnings to last generations. The average NFL career is three years and inflation is real. Saving and preserving money over time is hard no matter who you are. In today's world, how do we save? This is why I believe in Bitcoin. Almost all professional athletes make the majority of their career earnings in their 20s. With a lack of education, inaccessible tools, and inflation, a sad yet common reality is many enter bankruptcy later on. We can do better. We need to improve financial literacy. Bitcoin is a proven, safe, global, and open system that allows anyone to save money. It's the most accessible asset we've ever seen. Anyone reading this has access to Bitcoin. That is not true for real estate and other assets. This is why my endorsements pay me in Bitcoin. Throughout my life, I believe Bitcoin will continue to appreciate over the long term, allowing me to save and preserve the wealth I'm creating today as a professional athlete. He then goes on to share his download link for Strike and talks about how he's donating his efforts to Covenant House, all of which is really cool. But the thing that I want to point out is just that this is what the popular discourse is becoming. These are no longer fringe conversations. These are no longer boring conversations. They're important conversations. And so every time you see a terrible take on inflation or any other macro issue, whether it's from a traditional finance person or a crypto person, just take a moment to remember how awesome it is that that's the discussion that we're having at all. I want to say thanks again to my sponsors, Nexo.io, Abra, and FTX. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.